Welcome to Gist of Freedom Radio. We'd like to present a discussion on slavery petitions, of which we will feature a citation from the online library of uncg.edu. Our reading will focus on the Race and Slavery Petitions Project. The project originates out of the Cowan County Courthouse, Edenton, North Carolina. Let us begin. The Race and Slavery Petitions Project offers data on race and slavery extracted from 18th and 19th century documents and processed over a period of 18 years. The project contains detailed information on about 150,000 individuals, including the enslaved, free people of color, and whites. These data have been painstakingly extracted from 2,975 legislative petitions and 14,512 county court petitions, and from a wide range of related documents, including wills, inventories, deeds, bills of sales, depositions, court proceedings, amended petitions, among others. Buried in these documents are the names and other data on roughly 80,000 individuals enslaved, 80,000 free people of color, and 62,000 whites, both slave owners and non-slave owners. Thank you. Delaware, 1832, Newcastle County, 18 citizens. Much disturbed by rumors of intended insurrectionary movement among black portions of our population, asked that several measures be taken to quiet the excitement. In particular, they target meetings held under the pretense of religious worship and the black preachers who come into this state from other states who are regular and constant preachers of sedition to our slaves and free blacks at their night meetings where no whites are present. They also believe that the public safety and peace require that they should declare be declared unlawful for slaves or free blacks to own or possess firearms and other military weapons. Acknowledging that they wish in no way to abridge any privileges which they think can be granted or continue to that unfortunate class of people, the petitioners nonetheless purport that they cannot shut their eyes to the fact that a deep and growing discontent pervades the blacks, not only in this state, but throughout the union, which they fear is assuming a most dangerous aspect. They therefore believe that the time has fully arrived when it has become the part of prudence to take such precautionary measures as may appear best calculated to avert the threatened danger. In response to the previous petition, 28 free people of color petitioned for a repeal of an act to prevent the use of firearms by free Negroes and free mulattoes and for the other purposes that was passed by the Delaware legislature the 10th of February, 1832. The law, they argue, has a demoralizing effect upon the free people of color, for by placing them under suspicion, making them to feel that the eyes of white people are continually over them, whether for good or ill. It interferes with their religious privileges, 
violates their rights of conscience and exposes them to all the horrors of perpetual slavery for the act of worshiping their creator according to the dictates of their consciences. They proclaim that they have always conducted themselves in a peaceable and quiet manner and that many among them have a quiet land and other property. Flattering themselves that they had gained the confidence of their superiors and that they have never done anything that would or ought to have forfeited the good opinion of white people, the petitioners humbly pray and repeal for repeal of that act. Partition number 1083304, Delaware, 1833. Mississippi, 1859, Carroll County, Thomas Boone, guardian of the minor Sally Nax. Mississippi, 1859, Carroll County, Thomas Boone, guardian of the minor Sally Knox, sold a slave belonging to his ward for $1,750 in the state of Alabama. He was motivated to do so because the slave had a wife and refused to move to Mississippi with him. Furthermore, Boone claims the slave was of bad character, could read and write, and use his skills to forge in order to procure and procure money. Having informed that the sale was illegal because of his failure to seek permission from Carroll County Court, Boone asked the legislators to pass an act to confirm and ratify the sale. Houseman claims that he was entirely ignorant of his slave's behavior and did not know that Samson had bludgeoned a white man with a hatchet head. Houseman, now far advanced in life and head of a large family, asked for relief. John Houseman laments the loss of his slave, Samson, who was hanged for various felonies, including robbery and assault. Stanbury estate, Stanbury states, John has gone so far as to have stabbed your petitioner twice in the breast and once in the arm, which now confines him to his bed. Maryland, 1828, Baltimore County. The administrator of the estate of Elizabeth Stanbury, deceased, is anxious to sell a slave belonging to the estate. John Stanbury, Stanbury testifies that John has been in the habit of running away, which is, has cost your petitioner considerable expense in his recovery. Moreover, Stanbury states, John has gone as far as, as so far as to have stabbed your petitioner twice in the breast and once in each arm, and now confines him to his bed. For these reasons, the petitioner seeks an order to sell John at private sale. South Carolina, eighteen twenty, Richmond District Parish. 
86 mechanics and undertakers in the town of Columbia seek legislation prohibiting slave owners and overseers from allowing skilled slaves to hire their own time. Self-hired slaves not only become contractors or undertakers of jobs themselves, the petitioner complains, but they take apprentices in the various mechanical arts exercised on and practiced in the said towns whereby your petitioner are often deprived of jobs and employment in their respective trades. The petitioner seeks a law with certain and heavy penalties to constrain owners or managers from permitting slaves to hire their own time. They also seek to penalize those who hire such slaves and to halt the practice of slaves hiring apprentices. North Carolina, 1791, Dufflin County. Houseman claims that he was entirely ignorant of his slave's behavior and did not know that Samson had bludgeoned a white man with a hatchet head. Houseman, now far advanced in life and head of a large family, asked for relief. John Houseman laments the loss of his slave, Samson, who was hanged for various felonies, including robbery and assault. Adam County. Michael Bruner, jailer of Adams County, complains about the cost of maintaining prisoners. The state law concerning runaway slaves, for example, requires that absentee slaves be reported to as lost by their masters or overseers. When abscounders were taken up but not so reported, the master was not responsible for paying jail fees. Consequently, some slave owners not only left their slaves in jail, but months at the county's expense. He asked for relief. North Carolina, 1804, Rowan County. Pally Murrell asked for her husband, James Murrell, to be pardoned from selling a free person of color. She states that said James was sentenced to suffer death for said crimes, but a number of respectable gentlemen petitioned for mercy, and his excellency did grant a reprieve which deferred the time of his execution. Polly reports that she has been to South Carolina for the purpose of getting back said free person of color and finds he is dead. The petitioner therefore prays the legislation to grant a pardon to the said James Morrell, who is currently in Salisbury, Gaul, under sentence of death. North Carolina, 1805, Rowan County. Christian Limbo seeks a divorce from his wife, the former Katharina Hess. He asserts that Katharina, whom he left in 1799, had an ungovernable temper and her immoral and indecent turn of mind led her to be connected with other men. Citing his short marriage as a state of most poignant misery, Limbo reveals that his wife was later delivered 
of delivered of one or more mulatto children. The governor, however, pardoned her as she stood under the gallows. Limbo, therefore, submits his unhappy situation to be acted upon as you in your wisdom may think fit, firmly believing that the bill of divorce will be passed in his favor. North Carolina, 1822, Camden County. 397 residents of Camden County charged that the 1820 and 1821 laws directing the time, manner, and place of the sale of lands and slaves under executions levied on by sheriffs, constables, and other officers are in many cases greatly oppressive and operate much in the injury of many persons, particularly to slaveholders, by causing their slaves to be sold very often for half and sometimes for a third or less of their real value. The petitioners maintain that this would not happen if said slaves were not carried off, carried to the courthouse for sale. They further cite the sales conducted at the courthouse incur an additional expense of prison fees, support the Negroes, loss of time, and etc. Et to be added, all which has a tendency to make it more oppressive and injurious to the owner. The petitioner therefore pray that the said laws cited be repealed. Maryland, 1861, Baltimore City. Jacob Bankert purchased a term slave named Jacob for $520 in June 1857. Bankert reports that Jacob has run away several times, thereby depriving him of his services and causing him great expense on more than one occasion. In March, 1861, Bankert paid the fine and cost imposed by criminal court on the said Jacob. He having been found guilty of fighting, Jacob is now confined to the city jail as a runaway. Bankert asked the court to hear testimony about this case, to extend Jacob's turn of slavery, and to authorize his sale out of the state. On June 18, 1810, the Richmond City Council, City Council passed the ordinance that no Negro or mulatto shall be permitted to use any gig chair or other carriage in the city except the capacity of maid or servant to some lady or gentleman hiring and riding therein. Christopher McPherson, a mulatto free person of color who served as clerk during the American Revolution, asked for an exemption from the ordinance. He explains that as an accountant and bookkeeper, he travels to various parts of the city. Moreover, he and his wife are both advanced in life and occasionally subject to disease. It has happened 
and may again happen that the occasion, the occasional use of carriage when they are unable to walk may be necessary not only for their comfort, but their health. The petitioner submits without murmur, rather murmur, to those laws of the Commonwealth which impose disabilities imposed on that class of people which belong, which he belongs, and he is not disposed to deny that there may be persons with respect to whom the ordinance aforesaid might properly apply, but he humbly conceives that the said ordinance is unjust as it, as it respects himself and family and that it deprives him of rights which he is entitled under the law and the constitution of this commonwealth. He therefore prays that his case be taken into consideration and that your honorable body will be pleased to enact such regulation as will prevent those. Delaware, 1827, Newcastle County. The chairman of the Wilmington Union Colonization Society expresses concern about the expanding free black population. Robert Porter argues that free people of color do not and cannot enjoy the most important civil privileges, voting and office holding, cannot associate with whites and will not be accepted on the basis of equality. Porter defends the legal sanctioned separation by declaring that our separation from these people is the effect of moral cause, the foundations of which we could not safely remove. The amalgamation would demoralize society. The consequence of breaking up the present distinctions would not be to raise the free color people, but to sink all the state of degradation yet unknown. He therefore suggests the removal of these people to the west coast of Africa as a, as a solution to what he describes people by their very condition, our enemies. In Porter's opinion, the American Colonization Society is deserving of more of the resources of the national government. And if the society were able to make this removal general and common, there can be no doubt that this whole population would flow in a current that in that direction. Mississippi, 1824, Jefferson County. Andrew Barlin, the son of a white man by a woman of mixed race, was given a good education by his father as well as some property. He states that having married into a respectable white family, he has always been received and treated as a white man. Furthermore, he has served as a juror, given testimony in court, voted and enjoyed all the privilege of free white citizen. Recently, however, a controversy has arisen in a court case when one Joseph Hawk calls into question whether Barlin, a man of color, should be allowed to testify. Barlin writes to the legislator that his education, his habits, his principles, 
and his society are all identical with your views. Barlin notes that he owns slaves and therefore can know no other interest than that which is common to the white population. He asks, therefore, that the state extend to your petitioners such privileges as the countrymen may think him worthy to possess. North Carolina, 1810, Bertie County. William H. Green, Sheriff of Bertie County, requests compensation for housing in jails, two prisoners, and three witnesses. He states that Allen Bilch, accused and later executed for horse stealing, remained in jail for 254 days. Anthony Wiggins, accused and executed for murder, remained in jail for 162 days. Green also states that Negro Tom Mary Manley and Winifred, Winifred Wiggins were committed as witnesses against the said. Anthony Wiggins and continued 146 days each when they were discharged, asserting that his expenses have not been fully reimbursed, reimbursed the petitioner insists that the legislature in stipulating the allowance prescribed by law for the maintenance of prisoners. prisoners. It never was their intention to tax anyone individual with the cost of bringing to punishment the violators of the law. Alabama, 1826, Limestone County. Free person of color Francis Hamlin purchased his daughter, Susan Locklear, from James Sims of Limestone County. Hamlin seeks to emancipate his daughter, who is married to Thomas Locklear, a free man of color. Mississippi, Claiborne County. The petitioner asked for emancipation of Samuel Martin's family. Three years before Martin, a free man of color, purchased his wife and three children. A related petition reveals that Samuel Martin had been freed a number of years earlier by his owner, J.W. Thompson. Mississippi. William Morton and his wife, Violet, Violet, were emancipated by Jesse Carter in Louisiana about 1814. The Mortons left their daughter, Charlotte, in the possession of Carter as a slave for life. After Carter's death, the couple bought Charlotte for $352. Morton now petitions to, to free his daughter. He writes, your petitioners, although a colored man is not devoid of feelings of humanity and nature and considers it against the laws of nature to hold his own offspring in state of servitude. Partition number 1100004.
Mississippi, 1830, Jefferson County. Working and saving for many years, free man and color Jeremiah Gill purchased his wife, Amy, and daughter, Betsy, from the Caleb Reed. From Caleb Reed. Now being advanced in years, Jeremiah Gill asked the legislature for an act of emancipation for his family. He feared that if he were to die, his wife and daughter might through the tyrannic grasp and relentless cupidity of some unfeeling wretch be deprived of that portion of liberty which the sweat of your petitioner's humble brow has purchased for them. In a related petition filed the same year, one Theodore Ritchie presented Amy, whom he calls Ama, for emancipation, claiming her as his property. In this petition, Jeremiah Gill prayed his gr- prayer is granted. Amy and Betsy are set free and are given the last name of Gill. At the same time, the legislature also grant freedom to another slave named Rachel, whose emancipation was sought by one Lewis L. Glover. North Carolina, 1795, Anson County. Abraham Jones, a free person of color, discloses that he labors under the unhappy disadvantage of having seven children by a woman slave formerly the property of one Westerfield, with whom he was intermarried and who he has since bought and purchased his own property. Jones is fearful that his said children are in danger of being continued in bondage or may be, or may be after your petitioner's death without some legal provision made in their favor by the General Assembly. He therefore prays that his seven children, Twit, Isaac Jones, Jacob Jones, Susanna Jones, John Jones, Abraham Jones, Thomas Jones, and Louis Jones may be emancipated and from henceforth enjoy the protection and benefits of the law and constitution of this state in the same manner as others of their color who were born free. Delaware, 1837-1809, Delaware resident John Cooper manumitted several slaves, including a woman named Lydia. By 1826, Lydia had married John Hawkins, a free man of color, and the couple had three children, Charity, Sally, and John, and were living in Carolyn County, Maryland. However, John Cooper's son-in-law, John Willoughby, convinced Cooper that the Delaware manumissions were not valid in Maryland, and that Cooper faced prosecution for allowing his former slaves to move there. Willoughby thus seduced Cooper to sign a deed conveying Lydia and her children to Willoughby, to Cooper's son, Richard, and to other relatives. Soon after, Willoughby and Richard Cooper took Lydia and her children to the Sussex County Jail with the intention to selling them to Southern traders. John Cooper and another of his sons learned of this and demanded the former slaves be released, which they were. The free slaves were never bothered again during John Cooper's life, the petitioner states. In April 1836, however, 
Willoughby, and a gang of armed men kidnapped Hawkins' three children and the children of the other frees, slaves by John Cooper, and carried them into the jail in Queen Anne's County, Maryland. Willoughby's objective was to sell them to a foreign trader or carry them to the South himself. The case of their freedom is still pending in Queens Anne's County, Maryland. Hawkins seeks an act that would affirm the legality of the manumission of his wife and children. That was petition number 103-83702. Delaware, 1849. 22 citizens, 22 citizens of Sussex County most respectfully do represent that an act of the General Assembly of the State of Delaware passed in the year 1760 entitled a further supplement to the act entitling an act for the better regulation of service of slaves within the government is essentially wrong and should, and should in the opinion of the public long since been repealed or amended. They therefore pray your honorable body to amend. I don't care about that one. North Carolina, 1792, petition 1279206. John Waite states that he holds a legal bill of sale for 20-year-old Charlotte Green, who has petitioned the legislators for her freedom. Waite expresses that his consent is hereby given, and it, and it also my request being desirous that she may be rewarded with the blessings of freedom for her honesty and good conduct. The petitioner attests that Green is very able to get her own living so that it is not probable the state will be ever burdened by your good intentions. Waite states that it is his wish that she may be emancipated by the name of Elizabeth Johnson. Petition number 1128302, North Carolina, 1833, Cumberland County. Joseph Holster, a barber in Fayetteville belonging to the estate of David Smith, reports that Smith allowed him to purchase his own freedom. He has paid to the said Smith and his executors the full sum of $500, a sum required of him. He also states that he has paid $96 per year for about four years and a half. The petitioner therefore prays that he may be emancipated and admitted to the privileges of free men of the color in this state. This is 1833. Still petition, yes, petition 101-86001, Alabama, 1860, Henry County. Harris Hayes of Henry County served as an agent to halt the spread of smallpox during the epidemic of early 1859. He procured two slaves to work as nurses to treat the sick. One was his own slave. The other was a slave from Florida. He seeks $200 as compensation for the hire of the said two nurses. Petition 201-83905, Alabama, 1839, Perry County. Michael Wright asked the court not to execute a previous judgment against him in a matter of payment for slaves he purchased from Ezekiel Salmon and Zara Davis. Wright says that in 1837, he paid the two men $3,000 for four slaves. 
a Negro boy slave named Dave, a Negro boy slave named Jack, and a Negro woman slave named Mariah, and her child. Wright says Salmon and Davis falsely and fraudulently represented to your order that the said Negroes were sound in body and in mind and entirely free and exempt from any disease or ailment whatsoever, and states that Mariah and Dave are, are and were at the time of the sale diseased and wholly worthless and had no value. Wright refused to pay the remaining balance and the defendant successfully sued him. The petitioner pleads that his lawyer was negligent in his defense and seeks an injunction preventing Solomon Davis from carrying out the judgment, believing that in equity and conscience, they ought not to have or demand to have from your order anything more than the said $1,500 already paid, the said sum being the full value of the said Negroes in their diseased condition. Delaware, 1786, Sussex County. 21 petitioners asked the legislature to more rigorously regulate the movements of people of color. They argued that under the name and character of free Negroes, Many idle and evil disposed slaves throughout this county strolled through the same, some with and some without passes or certificates. There are also many black stragglers and vagabonds from the neighboring counties who come and go in similar circumstances and under same character whereby their legal owners are for a long time deprived of their service. They further assert that numbers of Negroes who have been manumitted in other states and counties have come into ours, many of whom are likely to become chargeable. They seek a law prohibiting Negroes aforesaid from traveling, especially from one county to another without a written or printed pass certificate. The pass with the county seal affixed there too should include the bearer's name and place of abode. In response to the petition enforcing free people of color to carry a pass, the free residents answered with a petition of their own. Petition number 103-84901, Delaware, 1849. 29 free black inhabitants of Delaware seek to repeal the law requiring them to produce passes of freedom. Papers when traveling from one area to another, they affirm that they are civil citizens who have no intent to hurt or injure any other human family, but wish well to all yet we are liable to be arrested when traveling on our own lawful business to be put in prison, provided we do not exhibit a certificate or pass signed by a white man, which appears to be sufficient, though his character may much be blacker than our skins. They also oppose other laws equally oppressive to us as free men that forbid them to own or have a gun in our possession without a permit from a justice of the peace and prohibit them from assembling together for religious worship in our own churches and remain there beyond the hours of 10 o'clock at night without having the presence of three white men amongst us. They therefore pray you will take into consideration and expunge these laws from your books so as to give us the right to travel as men and not as brutes. 